I want to welcome you this morning. We're going to be doing something a little bit different than what we normally do. If you are a guest or a visitor today uh, and you want to get a feel for what a typical worship service looks like at New Community, I want to encourage you to come back. Today will be significantly different from what we normally do. Some of you will really love it and resonate. Others of you will be challenged by it, but that's okay because we love making you uncomfortable. Can I get an amen? Yes. If you are a resident of Chicago like I've been, you know that this weekend is historically one of the most violent weekends in the calendar year. We've already had a very difficult year here in the city of Chicago. I want to put up some statistics for you that you might not be aware of. This week, as of about 10 p.m. last night, 16 folks were shot and killed in the city. 74 shot and wounded. June to date, beginning of this year till now, 75 people made in God's image have been shot and killed. That's a 9% increase the same time from 2016. 324 shot and wounded with 83 being killed, which is a 9% increase. Just let some of these statistics just sit with you for a moment. I know that majority of us, I'll speak for myself, I'm so inundated with this in the news TV that when something comes on, I just kind of just switch the channel or just sit there mindlessly, let the information play out. I need all of us to do something different this morning, which is lean into some of this stuff and allow our hearts and our minds to sit and think for a moment. Year to this date, so 2017 year, 312 people have been shot and killed, 1,467 wounded, total homicide, totaling 336 people in the city of Chicago. A person is shot every two hours and 27 minutes, and a person is murdered every 12 hours and 56 minutes. Ninety percent of the shootings take place on the west and south side neighborhoods with Austin and Englewood experiencing the highest levels. One of the things for me as a pastor that's very difficult and heartbreaking is when I talk to folks from our church who work, live in these neighborhoods, particularly as teachers, counselors, social workers, psychologists. If you do not think that a culture of violence doesn't impact children and family, we're being naive. They have enormous impact in families and communities. Amy has been a teacher for 15 years in the school in Englewood. She's a dear friend as well as a congregant. And it's been a joy for me as a pastor to walk with her on this journey. I asked her to share a little bit of what it's like serving 
and working in a school, in a community where kids are inundated with violence on a regular basis? Um, before I share, I want to point out that every single one of those statistics that Peter showed, um, whether it was a child that was injured or shot, that was a family member that has a child in their family. Um, and those are families that love their kids and want the best for their kids. And so regardless of whether or not you are a part of that community, you can relate because there are kids in your family. And each one of those statistics represents something that happens to a family. Um, working in Chicago public schools, and especially on the south or west side, is very hard. And <clears throat> the violence can do a lot to kids, but three things that I've really noticed in the last 15 years is that um, it can numb you to what's happening to the teachers. And Peter just mentioned it. Um, to us, but when you are numb to it, you expect it. You're not surprised by it. Uh, I'm always shocked by violence, but I'm never surprised that it happened. And when you come to school with that, it impacts how you will behave at school. Um, <clears throat> students are also, they don't trust people. They don't, um, they don't know if they're family members are going to be um, around still. They don't know if their teachers or their classmates are going to show up. And then they, that trust extends to, well, are you going to keep coming back to work? Um, and the last thing is that they, uh, they're always on the defensive. If somebody bumps you in the hallway, your reaction is explosive because you have to protect yourself. And those things impact a student so that when they come to school, we're not just teaching them the academics, but we become counselors and we become mediators. And, um, and it exponentially makes it harder to educate our kids. Um, the, uh, I'm really thankful because I know that God uh, placed me at that school for a reason. Mm. And, um, and it is not me. And um, he has, at my particular school, really brought together a staff that um, wants to interrupt that and believes that we can change the narrative of what you see on this news about what it's like to be a person in Inglewood. And we believe that we can change that narrative and re-educate the rest of the city about what it's like to be a student and a family in those communities. So I really covet prayers for the entire neighborhood at large, but also for my school and the students and the other staff members that are there. I think it's perfectly appropriate to applaud as a way of saying thank you, you know. Men and women like Amy and others are in the trenches every day. If you're sitting there going, why, why are you talking about this on July 4th weekend? What is it anything to do with the gospel? We at New Community believe that it has everything to do with the gospel. Amen? We believe that the heart of the cross of Jesus Christ 
And his death and resurrection is this conviction that he came to reconcile all things. Us and God, us to each other, and everything that was marred because of sin. And he needed to know that at the heart of what we believe at New Community is this. From day one, we didn't set out to just build a great church for ourselves. We set out to transform the city of Chicago with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We set out with the conviction that if every single Christ follower lived their lives in a way that embodies the gospel in their daily life, in their work, school, neighborhoods, that we could actually see the gospel transform this city with God's healing and redemptive love. And every day we get up, I remind all of us that every week, every day we get up, that we have a kingdom mission. Not only have we been called, but we're equipped with gifts and spiritual powers to be able to affect our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that someone who is lost without a relationship with God can be reconciled to a loving God. Someone who's longing for a connection with other people could find community. And someone who needs healing and restoration could find healing and restoration in the person of Jesus Christ. The passage that anchors us on a day like Sunday when we pray for our city is a passage that comes right out of Jeremiah 29, 7, where God is speaking to the Israelites, to his people who have been exiled to the city of Babylon. And, and, and God speaks to these Christians who want to be huddled up in their own little Christian spiritual bubble. And he says this, no, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is, by the way, the big idea of Matthew 5, from which we get our church's mission statement, where Jesus says, you're a city within a city. Chicago is an enormous city of three million people. And Jesus says, I want you to be an alternate city, a countercultural city within the larger city. You go, well, how do you do that? We do it in one of two ways. First is we, in our corporate life together, embody a countercultural kingdom way of being. We, in our corporate life together, which is the reason why we stress so much in our church community, 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 and finding small group of people to do life with because it is at the center of our mission the way we live out the gospel is to say in our corporate life together as the body of Christ, are we any different? Do the races and ethnicities and different classes of people in this alternate city called New Community, the way we go about life together, is it really different from the larger city? In a city that's torn with division and strife, is our way of doing life together across these divides any different? How do we handle our sexuality? How do we handle our money and our resources? Are we radically generous? Is there radical economic sharing among us so that, as it says in Acts 2, there's not a needy person among us? We embody in our life together. But again, it's not enough just to do that. Christianity is not a private thing. It's meant to be lived out in the public sphere. And God says, I don't want you to just embody counterculture way of being. He said, demonstrate it. That's the truth of verse 7. Seek the shalom, the Bible says, of the city to which I have carried. The word shalom means peace, but biblical peace is not just absence of conflict. You know this. I've said it a thousand times. Shalom is not just absence of conflict, but is wholeness flourishing in every asset of creation, facet of creation. Every facet of creation is experiencing wholeness, flourishing as God intended. 
And God says, I want you to have a vision for what the city of Chicago would look like if it's experiencing shalom of God. Oh, man. And driven by that vision of what the city would look like living under his rule and reign, he says, move out, put your lives on the line, and make it a place of peace, justice, prosperity for all. We are reminded this weekend, church family, every year, among other weekends too, that they are our neighbors in the city of Chicago, our neighbors. And Jesus redefined neighbor as not just someone who lives next door, but anyone in need in Luke 10. There are neighbors who don't experience peace or justice and certainly not prosperity. So what is our mission at New Community? Why do we, on a July 4th weekend, spend an entire service thinking about and praying for the city of Chicago because the word says pray. And by the way, some of you love this passage. Not only does the Lord say pray to the Lord for it because if it prosper, you too will prosper. Second Chronicles 714 it's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. If my people who are called by my name, that's you, that's me, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Does anybody long to see the city of Chicago experience God's healing and redemption? So we're going to pray, to which if some of you go, well, why don't we do more? It's never an either or. It's a both and. Can I get an amen? He says, pray for it, then seek its peace. Pray for it, then work towards bringing about his shalom. So we're going to pray this morning as we enter this July 4th weekend for our beloved city. And then towards the end of this service, I am going to give all of us very practical, practical things that we can do to be ambassadors of peacemaking in the city. So you don't just stop at pray. But for the next few moments, our service will be very different from what we normally do. It will be liturgical in nature, and liturgical doesn't mean boring. Liturgical literally means the work of the people, meaning liturgy is to remind us that worship is a participation thing. Do you know that? I know in America, we're accustomed to coming, sing a few songs, then we sit and listen, which is okay. But liturgy reminds us, work of the people, that we sing together. We hear the scriptures together. We read aloud the scriptures together. And today, we pray together. We as a body of Christ will come together. The reason why we are going to um, pray corporate written prayers together and there are written prayers in your bulletin insert that we gave you. Again, some of us come from church traditions where it's kind of like, well, we don't do written prayers. And why? Two reasons why there are written prayers and written litanies and written call and response. Two reasons and then we're just going to get into it. Number one, 
Has there anybody here experienced a moment where you want to pray, but you find words and the accurate words to express your heart? Anybody? I find that to be the case. Every time I pray for issues of injustice or pray for things like what we're going to pray for today, I find myself sort of searching for words. Well, some of these prayers have been intentionally written so that the voice of your heart could be expressed through the words that are written here. So it's to help you and be an aid to find words for what might be occurring in your heart. Secondly, the reason why we're going to do these corporate prayers together is this. You and I have been so heavily influenced by the individualistic nature of our culture that it's really difficult sometimes even the church to remind us of the corporate oneness of the body. We pray alone. We pray individually. There is something special, and you'll see when you sit here today, and we pray these corporate prayers aloud together, and you hear your brothers and sisters reiterating the same scripture and words that I am praying will remind us of the truth of John 17 when Jesus said, I pray that they may be what? One. Even as you and I are one. That the world may know that you sent me. These corporate prayers have been written intentionally with that in mind so that not only are you praying, but that you would also listen to your neighbors, your brothers and sisters, as they pray the same prayer to remind you and me that we are part of the body of Christ across all believers all over the world for all time. And may the Holy Spirit remind us that we truly are the body of Christ, even as we pray for our city. It will be a little bit challenging for some of us who didn't grow up in a liturgical service tradition. But I pray that these prayers and these scriptures will speak to you. There will also be moments of silence after some of these prayers because the Lord knows we need more silence in our lives. Amen? So we're just going to pray these prayers but also take time just to listen and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So today for the next 20, 25 minutes or so, we're praying for the larger city that we love, the city that we've been called to, as we seek and pray for its shalom. Pastor Michael, if you would come on up. To go ahead and get your bulletin insert out. And again, this is just to guide you. Make these your words Pray these prayers, recite these scriptures as an act of worship, church family. Hear the word of the Lord as it comes forth from Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 and chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and injustice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. 
I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am going to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Let us read Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. You will read the bold verse. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Hear the word of the Lord as it comes forth from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 to 11. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are like grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord will come with power, and he rules with the mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, responsively. Now when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hear the Lord from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, as the Apostle John paints a picture for us of what awaits us when the kingdom is fully ushered in. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Come, Lord Jesus. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Church, our next prayers will be what we call litanies. And a litany is a series of prayers that uh, are led and responded to. I, I think of them as call and response, kind of out of that black church tradition of mine. And uh, I will lead a portion and then you will respond with a portion and it is printed before you. So I invite you to stand for these next prayers. Uh, we will do a few litanies together with me leading the first. It is a litany of nonviolence. Provident God, aware of our own brokenness, we ask the gift of courage to identify how and where we are in need of conversion in order to live in solidarity with all the city's people. Deliver us from the violence of superiority and disdain. Grant us the desire and the humility to listen with special care to those whose experiences and attitudes are different from our own. Deliver us from the violence of greed and privilege Grant us the desire and the will to live simply so others may have their just share of Chicago's resources. Deliver us from the silence that gives consent to abuse, war, and evil. Grant us the desire and the courage to risk speaking and acting for the common good. Deliver us from the violence of irreverence, exploitation, and control. Grant us the desire and the strength to act responsibly within the cycle of creation. God, God of, of love, love, mercy, and, and justice, justice, 
acknowledging our complicity in those attitudes, actions, and words which perpetuate violence. We beg the grace of nonviolent hearts. Amen. Litany for children slain by violence. A sound is heard in Ramah, the sound of bitter, beeping, bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted, for they are dead. We pray for the families of children who have been slain by gun violence, left to die on the streets with less dignity than is given to animals. A sound is heard in every city. Communities are weeping generationally for their children. Our sons, like Emmett Till, Trayvon Martin, Ezel Ford, Michael Brown, and John Crawford. Our daughters, like Ayanna Jones, Miriam Carey, Melissa Williams, and Tarika Wilson. As people of God, we weep for the lives of all children who instead of enjoying the sweetness of innocence, become victims of hate, victims of war, and victims of violence. Now let us rise up and interrupt these rushing waters of violence that leave children and communities wounded and paralyzed, traumatized by internal disintegration and state terror. Let us rise up and demand this nation abandon its affair with beliefs, practices, and laws that are rooted in militarism, justified by racism, and propped up by systematic inequities. We will rise up against laws rooted in evil that have no concern for life, nor any concern for God's love. We will rise up until justice rolls on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Oh Lord, we commit ourselves to seeing all children the way that you see them. No matter their age or race, they are precious gifts made in your image, created with transformative purpose and unlimited promise. And for that cause, we pledge to be hedges of protection for their lives. We pledge to stand against anything that threatens their potential or promise. We embody the universal spirit of Ubuntu. I am because we are, and because we are, I am. We are all Rachel crying out for the children. Therefore, we pledge to lock arms in solidarity with the families of the slain. We pledge to let our voices be heard all over this nation and the world, for we know we are called to do what is just and right. Go ahead and have a seat, church, as we enter into our time of corporate prayer. I have to tell you, it is an enormous, powerful blessing for me to hear your voices be lifted up as we pray corporately. We're going to pray these prayers corporately, and they will be followed by a moment of silence to allow us to listen to the voice of the Spirit and the ways that he may speak. Let's pray this prayer of confession together. Gracious God, we confess that in our lives we do not always choose the way of peace. We spread gossip which fans the flames of hatred. 
We are ready to make any sacrifice when the world demands, but few when God invites. We worship the false God of security. We hold out one hand in friendship, but keep a weapon in the other behind our back. We have divided our communities into those we trust and those we do not trust. Huge problems challenge us in the world and in our own communities. But our greed, fear, and selfishness prevent us from uniting to solve them. Lord, we need your help and forgiveness, your healing and reconciling power. Amen. Church, join me in this prayer for an end to violence. God, God of, of life, every act of violence in our world, in our communities, between myself and others, destroys a part of your creation. Stir in my heart a renewed sense of reverence for all life. Give me the vision to recognize your spirit in every human being, however they behave towards me. Make possible the impossible by cultivating in me the fertile seed of healing love. May I play my part in breaking the cycle of violence by realizing that peace begins with me. In the, In the name, name of Christ, Christ Jesus, who is, who is our, our peace. peace. Amen.
Jesus. Jesus. And church, this last prayer is a prayer of hope. Let's pray this prayer together. Beloved God, we give you thanks for the life and message of Jesus. Jesus calls us to love in time of indifference, to nonviolence in a time of injustice, and to life in a time of death. He teaches us not only how to live, but how to die, how to transform not only our world, but our broken hearts as well. His revolution transcends all our dreams for a better world and declares your reign here and now at this very moment in human history. In Jesus, we meet you, our beloved God. We see your true face. We know that you are not a God of despair, but of hope. Not a God of condemnation, but of compassion. Not a God of imperial power, but of suffering. Not a God of domination, but of loving service. Not a God of oppression, but of liberation. Not a God who blesses injustice, but the God of justice. Not a God of war, but of peace. Not a God of violence, but of nonviolence. Not a God of death, but of life. We know that we all have been created to share in the fullness of life, in your love and unending mercy. So we step forward into the future, supporting each other, building community, making peace, practicing nonviolence, resisting the forces of war, and reconciling with our enemies, come what may. Jesus is alive and goes before us, summoning us to carry on the mission of nonviolence. We have been changed forever. Beloved God, you have begun the revolution within us. Our hearts burn with the fire of hope and peace. Amen. Church, join me in this litany of need for community. 
God, you who bless the peacemakers, guide us this day to find and explore ways to bring the spirit and experience of peace wherever the fractures of relationships in our nation, homes, and hearts now contribute to the sorrows and the terrors of our lives. May the example of our Lord Jesus and those who witness to peace and peacemaking, even at great cost, move us to find our own places of conviction and lifestyles of reconciliation. We need one another when we mourn and would be comforted. We need one another when we are in trouble and afraid. We need one another when we are in despair, in temptation, and need to be recalled to our best selves again. We need one another when we could accomplish some great purpose and cannot do it alone. We need one another in the hour of success when we look for someone to share our triumphs. We need one another in the hour of defeat when with encouragement we might endure and stand again. We need one another when we come to die and would have gentle hands prepare us for the journey. All our lives, we are in need of others, and others are in need of us. Amen. 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 If you're like me, sometimes challenging to find appropriate ways to respond at this kind of prayer time, and I have three resources I want to quickly share with you, and the worship team will lead us in a song of response. It's in your bulletin insert as well as up on the screen. The first is www.neighborhoodheroes.org. Let me tell you what that is real quick. Last year, our sister church, New Community Bronzeville, organized something called Chicago Calls for Peace events throughout the city. And we actually, our church, participated in that as a group of about 20 of us went out to the boulevard and we corporately prayed for our community and other communities in Chicago. This year, they've joined forces with NBC as well as the Chicago Community Trust along with a number of other churches and, and launched this website. The thing that I love, love, love about this, when you go on it, you'll see, they give incredibly practical suggestions about how to participate in peacemaking in your respective neighborhood. Some of the ones that I quickly jotted down are things like starting a neighborhood watch, volunteering on a safe passage route, picking up trash around the neighborhood, walking around, meeting somebody new, organizing a block club, removing graffiti, organizing school supplies for families in need, adopting a local school, volunteering, organizing neighborhood walk club. I mean, there's tons of things that are already happening and things that you could join. Great place to go. For those of us that are wondering, what can I practically do? Second website is prayerchicago.us. This is a prayer movement that began four years ago. A number of pastors in Chicago got together and said, how do we as followers of Jesus respond to this? And what they did is they organized across churches, prayer gatherings throughout the city of Chicago. And every Friday night, every Friday night from now until Memorial Day weekend, there is on that website location and times of prayer gatherings that you could just simply go and attend and participate. The last website is 
www.prayercast.com slash Chicago 77. The same group of pastors came up, listen to this, with their prayer book of the 77 neighborhoods in Chicago, description of the neighborhood, demographics of the neighborhood, and specific ways that we could be praying for the neighborhood. And basically the prayer God is laid out so that from June 14th to August 29th, you could pray for every inch of Chicago every day. And the booklet costs like $3 online. And it's a great resource for us to join in what God is doing. So those three resources are ways that you can go check out as soon as you get home, as you move beyond just praying and saying, God, what can I do, regardless of what neighborhood you may live in, to participate in the work that you're doing? When you go home today and you turn on the news for the next two, three days, you will hear on the news specific things that we prayed against. Instead of simply turning the channel or tuning out, may we lean in to the brokenness of our city, remembering that God is ruling and reigning and be prayer warriors and ambassadors for his peace. And invite the worship team to come on up as they lead us in this final song. And then we will end our gathering today with the Lord's prayer as we send you out.